1: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary for you. are prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Hi, my name is Orfe, and you're listening to Eleven, the official theater podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. Please be upstanding for Broadway royalty, as we welcome one of the most instantly recognisable voices to ever grace the stage, with credits including Saturday Night Fever, Pretty Woman, Footloose and, of course, Legally Blonde, a show that bagged her a casual Tony Award nomination. She knows a thing or two about leading a company and the sound of applause. With a big screen and music career also on her CV, it's pretty fair to say she's inspired an entirely new generation of performers to chase the dream of a lifetime in the arts. Sharing thoughts on how she did it, including fighting for big belty numbers and why she'd love to make it all the way to the West End sometime soon. Snaps at the ready as we welcome the glorious tones of Orfe to this new episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Just to let you know, due to the global COVID nineteen pandemic and a few thousand miles between us, Orfe and I connected digitally. So please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. From London all the way to Miami, one of my all-time favorite people, please help me welcome Orfe. Hello, how are you?
0: Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. 11 is one of my favorite numbers, so this is exciting.
1: It's very, very exciting to be able to see you and also this very impressive microphone setup that you've got. It's like you're in your own homemade recording studio, I'm very, very impressed.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much. We do try to make it uh, easy for everyone. We do a lot of recording, we do a lot of voiceover, we do a lot of podcasts, Uh, none as wonderful as 11, obviously. Oh, very kind. I so, owe you
1: some money. Thank you very so. much. I'll send <laughs> it in a PayPal you. I think I've got your details. But, um, <laughs>
0: okay, good.
1: <laughs> but just thank you so much once again for being on the podcast. It's such a pleasure. And like I say, I really genuinely am a fan. And sometimes people say that in a thank fickle you. way, but I mean that very genuinely because I think when I first discovered the very crazy, but rather wonderful world of musical theater. It's very specific voices stand out and yours is very, very unique and very, very oh. impressive. So it's Thank really you. exciting for me to get to ask you some questions that I've always wanted to ask. I should probably prefix by saying you've got a lot of fans, so please don't start getting in my mentions if I don't ask about every single part of Orfei's career because it's <laughs> a very, very lengthy and very impressive CV. So that's like my disclaimer to say, please Thank don't you. come for me. Do not what-
0: come for William.
1: Thank you. Do Thank not. you. Okay. Or yes. You mess with us both. Without reflecting on it too much, I guess, when the pandemic started and I guess in the time since then, how has your life changed? And I guess how do you think theater has changed?
0: I, I can't even I don't think any of us is still able to fathom what is happening. I think that we're in a combination of denial and shock and just kind of slogging through it in our own way to be able to cope with the reality of it, which which really stinks. So uh, uh, listen, Pretty Woman had already closed, but you know, long before the pandemic hit. But you know, a lot of my dearest friends are, were in shows, were in the midst of shows and had to very abruptly change the course of their life for however length of time, we don't know. But it's, it's, it's a Caustic and rather unpleasant reality. So I'm only hopeful and praying that one day it'll be a very distant footnote that no one really talks about, like that bad little thing you never really talk about, where you're like, Shh, no, 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 don't bring it up. But um, I'm, I'm hoping we're on the other side of it at this point. It has been a rather long time. Attempt to keep yourselves busy. You you do this sort of wonderful thing that wonderful people like yourself can you know think to ask us to do. There's a lot of Zooming. There's a lot of, you know, um, masterclassing. There are a lot of students who didn't get to do their productions of the shows that they were in and that we might have, you know, originated or something like that. And we get to do Q&As. We get to kind of uplift the youth coming up into musical theater. That's yep. been a lot of fun. You know, so that's just the that's just the short of it. You know, I don't think anyone's having a great time going, hey, isn't this an amazing break? I don't think anybody feels that way.
1: Definitely. And I love the fact that you found positives within this time, because I do think that is the way to success is for us to be able to find, you know, the little opportunities where actually good things have happened. And I imagine things like, yes, of course, you could do your masterclasses in person, but people might have got access to that geographically might not have been in the same sort of place as you. And I see that very much as a positive.
0: I do too. I 100% there is a definite new wave of of fans that like you said otherwise couldn't be actually in the room. You know, uh streaming concerts has is a big deal because a lot of people aren't going to fly and I have had I've been very fortunate. We we've had uh, fans from London and, and Brazil and Germany fly in for concerts. Now they don't have to go through all of that. So there there are there are very mild pluses that yep. I would not wish upon us. And, uh, you know, we make do, obviously. But you know, these are these are unmitigatingly bizarre circumstances. But yes, it does bring a broader audience because you don't have to be anywhere specific to Zoom in, obviously. You know, so that has been a plus. And I think that for me... I have to stay positive because I don't want to drown in all of the sorrow of it all you know mm-hmm. and the 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 drama of it all and if you let yourself get negative then it's a quick road and a rabbit hole into all the negative negativity and you know that doesn't serve my fans at all for me to be downtrodden I'm I'm here to make them feel as good as possible in a not such a great point in time.
1: And also it means that you and I get to live out our best Whitney Houston fantasy with these fancy microphones, <gasps> singing at home, yes. pretending, because yes. I can't, I, unlike you, who's <laughs> very, very talented, I cannot sing. So <laughs> this is this is a real sort of journey for me, and I'm, I must oh. confess I'm, I'm loving every minute of it.
0: <laughs> oh, good. Well, good. I'm glad. See, see another we can put a positive spin on this moment in time as well. Exactly. Yeah.
1: You do seem, if if I may say so, as a very positive person. I mean, perhaps just from the interviews that I've looked at and, and sort of following your career, you seem like you are very much a uh, glass half fold sort of person has that served you well Uh,
0: it it has served me well i i cannot again i cannot fathom the alternate you know the alternative i cannot fathom it because then i don't want to be the person who's always downtrodden glass half empty you know i have and i've said this before it's just a lot easier to be nice and upbeat than it is to be an asshole and there's just so much energy that is expended during, you know, uh, that portion of life, like to be angry and to be sad and to be, and listen, everyone's going through their own thing. And I'm not saying that I don't have miserable moments and really like just horrified moments, but I don't need to give that to A group of people or masses of people that expect something else from me, and I'm okay with being that for them. It's something I adopted a long time ago, and I'm certainly not gonna let it go now. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna be like, well, now I'm going to be ultra sad for you, and let me just, you know, paint a really awful picture. I'm not, that's not who I am, and that's not what I'm here to do at the moment. But, you know, if I can inspire, if I can make people feel better, even for a moment, even for the three minutes they listen to my song. That's what I'm here to do.
1: You definitely do do that. I can vouch for my own personal experience. You you. absolutely do that. You referenced (laughs) Pretty Woman being obviously the last show. It closed just before lockdown itself. When you finish a show that's had great success, and particularly in a role like that, high energy, high profile show, does it take a long time to switch off? Like how long does it take before you go, okay, I sort of feel like I'm back to, to zero again?
0: You know, it doesn't take a long time to switch off. I I have, (laughs) I was thinking about it today. I think I I am part of one of the biggest, most legendary flops of the nineties. So for me, I was uh, kind of catapulted into that reality a long time ago. So, you know, Fascinating Rhythm was a show we did in 1999. It was a Gershwin review filled with some of the biggest stars of, of, you know, musical theater that segued into film and TV and, uh, To have to kind of click out of that instantaneously and no one was expecting I don't know that any of us thought it was going to be the colossal Bomb that it was so, you know after 32 shows we had to immediately be like, okay Well, we're not going to work tomorrow and it's over and we had our I think closing notice (laughs) On a tuesday and we were done that sunday. So for me, it's very simple to kind of click back into real life I do Mm -hmm. go through a a morning period about it. I do, even when I've had advance notice, or, you know, I've been in something like Saturday Night Fever. We were there for a while from, you know, yep. the beginning of previews, uh, the beginning of rehearsals to the last show. Pretty Woman, I was involved with from the first workshop, if we're being really technical to the closing night, I was involved with Pretty Woman for the better part of three years. So, you know, everything does, it's easy to get back to real life. It's easy to, you know, uh, not do the eight shows a week. That's a lot of heavy lifting, but there is an absolute morning period for every show. That's every kind of aspect of anything that you do in the entertainment business. There's a long morning period and you just kind of, get through that too you know because it's different you don't get to see your friends every day you don't get to do what you do you don't get to see the audiences to hear that applause it's very addictive so it, it's 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 a moment to have kind of like have a little reflection and yep. boohoo woe is me you know yeah. <laughs> Do
1: you get the same level of reflection even when positive things happen? Because you've been part of so many shows that have come to where I am here in London, to the West End, roles that you've originated. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, things like Pretty Woman, obviously Legally Blonde, when they come here and they have a second life in a different way. And obviously you're not directly involved in it, but you know that your work has created and allowed it to be seen by new people. Do you almost get like the reverse of that?
0: You know, I'm always so surprised, especially with something like Legally Blonde that's had this bizarre response surgeons during this pandemic like mm-hmm. we we've talked about it the cast has talked about it. we've gotten together we've been on zooms together we are so much more collectively popular in 2020 2019 2017 2016 2018 i'm skipping years but literally we are so much more popular than we ever were when we were on Broadway in the midst of doing the show we are I, I dare say this I don't think anyone would argue me uh, argue with me but we are so much more of a phenomenon we're an actual phenomenon now so it it's it's one of those things you don't kind of steep yourself in it and think oh I'm so fabulous and so popular I was Paulette and legally blonde but it does do my heart a great deal of good to know that you know uh, these kids on zoom are like i'm auditioning for paulette what can i do you know you you realize that uh, you do have some bit of a legacy Mm -hmm. no matter what if you know if nothing else wonderful ever happens for me in my career um i can hang my hat on those things you know what i mean like there is a legacy to it thankfully i think that laura bell bundy feels the same way i'm sure you know a lot of the cast members feel the same way jerry mitchell probably feels the same way it's like if nothing else wonderful ever happens you can't take that away from anyone and because it's so much more popular today than it ever was i can only imagine it's just going to expand and continue to go i've been invited to so many junior high school productions of legally blonde or you know regional productions it's it's very nice to know that that exists, that you get to say, well, I did, you know, I I don't have a number one hit record to be able to rest upon. I've got a top 40, but no one knows about it. But so it's something nice to be able to take with you forever.
1: It's so interesting. You mentioned this resurgence because I did sort of try and figure out why it might be and I do I do think like most things that people have a longing and a want for it and they introduce their friends to it and it's sort of as a byproduct of just people talking it's literally just guys have you seen the MTV recording yes oh my god it's amazing or have you listened to the soundtrack to be fair to it when it came here especially with legally blonde my gosh I mean the West End like it just blew everybody away and I think perhaps we'd seen some not so great movie musical adaptations it's just a great production Sharon Smith was phenomenal and all like yeah. it just works and you know and, and i'm i think this it's the T-shirts. It's the revival that we want. You know, there's such a world of it. it means yeah. that I think you know, legally blonde will probably never, ever, ever go away. And thank goodness for it. I think we could be heading for fingers crossed to revival, not so soon. Yeah, it's
0: it's really, really strange and and wonderfully strange in in the sense that it just you know, look. I think there is something huge to be said that we were lucky enough to be pro shot. Like that was the first time that that has ever happened. We were totally uh, way ahead of the whole curve with that and it wasn't just some you know kind of meh it was a very well done, very professional, very well lit sound, everything. It was all the bells and whistles. So the fact that people are able to very legally, no pun intended, go and find this pro shot, it's on YouTube in parts, in all the parts, um, in case all the youngins missed it the first time. It aired exactly six times. That's what we were contracted. exactly aired six times on mtv and i think the fact that people are able to watch it as it was done for real you know what i mean we didn't do anything differently we just did the show and mtv recorded it as it was there was no kind of like post or pre or anything so you see what you would have seen if you had bought a ticket to the show so i think that is a major reason i think the the fact that it was such a hit in london and sheridan's such a big star in london you know Mm. i think that certainly helped but this resurgence is you know where can people go what can people do you're sitting in front of your computer you're going to see it on youtube and then you're going to suddenly be like did you ever watch you know this was a long time ago already. So there's a new core fan base that wasn't there. You know, you're not going to the theater if you're four years old. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's. I think the MTV thing was a huge and is a huge reason why it's having this moment Definitely. and forever hereafter. I think you know, it's easy. It's easy to watch. It's not some grainy bootleg.
1: It really is, and and I feel like Legally Blonde is one of those shows where it was. I don't want to say it was always meant to be a musical, but it was always hiding in there somewhere. You knew watching the film, you were like, do you know what? I want Paulette to sing. And actually, do you know what? As iconic as that movie is, and some would argue it's one of the greatest there's ever been, you almost wait for her to sing now. It's almost like you've done the reverse in a way.
0: I agree with you 100%. I think that's why, what what musicals, uh, adaptations of films, you do want that moment where you're like, this is so heightened, why aren't they singing? You know what I mean? So you're absolutely right. That's a really keen observation, actually.
1: And it's a role that gave you a Tony nomination, is that right? (laughs) It did. <laughs> just a casual Tony nomination. I mean,
0: just a casual Tony nomination. Can you,
1: can you believe that you got paid to go to work and got a Tony nomination for having that much fun?
0: No, I, no. It's I'm I'm still annoyed that I lost, but <laughs> 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 but uh, you know, it was it was it was a wonderful opportunity and a really great ending to a very long, like a great moment of fruition to a very lengthy journey. And, you know, uh, Jerry Mitchell, they'll all tell you, they didn't even want me for that role. That was a role I had to fight with my teeth, my nails, my everything. I had to crawl through glass on, you know... uh, cut open knees through an alcohol river to get that part. So for me especially, it was a big triumph because this was a role nobody wanted me to have. So, you know, I think it's it's it just goes to show you if you have a very strong passion for something, you can prove to to the powers that be that, you know, maybe the talent was right after mm. all, maybe it was a good fit. I think everyone would agree now. So, I think they
1: would. I definitely think yeah. they would. And there's been lots of different versions and you know, different productions and from the, um, I think the San Francisco tryouts through to Broadway of um, Island and Verses, et cetera. But the one thing Absolutely. that I know that that you were involved in personally and, and professionally was the very now iconic opt-up at the end of Island reprise, which is just you... Through and through, it's you're basically just giving the girls and the gays exactly what they want, and we're very grateful for it. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, you. <laughs> just just talk to me about how how did that process come about? How did you get to sort of make your stamp on that?
0: I mean, it was such a it was such a fight, and again, I don't know that Larry O'Keefe and Nell Benjamin would would argue this point. At this point, they would probably think it was silly. But I had to beg for that musical ending. That's not how the song ended in San Francisco during a a, a first few previews and the entirety of the rehearsal and I would beg Jerry Mitchell I'm like you have me in this show you cannot have me finish the song, turn up stage and yell a couple of words and run off stage. Not only is there going to be a revolt, but it just doesn't utilize my gifts as yeah. a, an entertainer. There's no point in having me do this song if you're going to end it this way. So it was many, many, many a moment of pleading and reasoning with them. And I said, look, write me a musical ending. Write me a big, towering, crazy, orpheus Ending and if I'm wrong and if the audience doesn't react and if they don't go nuts And if they don't like you can feel the release from the audience Then we'll put it back to the speaking thing, but I will bet you my job I will bet you my job that I'm right about this. So oh, sure enough, they wrote this. Uh, you know, the Irish fear nothing and no one. They keep fighting till everyone's dead. And I'm sure there's this guy at the party who loves you, something most of us only dream of. You go out there and you get some Ireland. The lyrics were different, and then I turn up stage and say something ridiculous like, "And don't okay. forget to wear four-inch heels." So, after much begging and pleading, they wrote. You go out there and you get some Ireland, the country of whiskey and love. Like, I had to beg for that. And finally, when we did it, the audience went crazy. And they were like, yeah, that was a great idea we had. Not I had. <laughs> but, you know, if, if that's what it takes to have gotten me that, you know, the, the most iconic of my moments in that show. And I'm not calling myself an icon, don't anyone I kind am. Of- all up in arms, but William is. Um, that's how it happened. That's really, really how it happened. It was a struggle. It was a major, major struggle.
1: But good things come to those that fight and insist. And you just knew it was right. And
0: when you know, you know. Here's the thing. I'm very good at knowing what it is that an audience wants from me in particular. I may not know the best you know, method for the show itself, I know what the audience wants from me. I had been performing a long time before I ever hit the stage for Legally Blonde, whether it was in the music business and concerts or Saturday Night Fever was a big, informative existence for me. I knew what it was that an audience in a musical theater environment wanted from me. Um, So I also am very good at taking the temperature of the room. I'm very good at giving the people what they want from me. And I wasn't trying to show off. I wasn't trying to like, you know, get accolades for like a big rousing ending. I just knew that it would be a grand, holy disappointment for the audience if I ran upstage and said, make sure you wear and shields." That was just so, it was anathema to the song, the whole moment. Like why have me on stage by myself with the scenery moving, this big moment, and then have me turn upstage and say something not so interesting at all so yeah. i i'm i'm really glad if i won nothing else if i won no other fight and if i had to you know spend almost four months of my life begging for that job i'm glad that that was a payoff you know i'm yeah. glad they i'm glad they did it
1: <laughs> even if you didn't win that part of the song and that stayed as it did you did win overall because you did get to take the ups guy home so i feel like I you won
0: i did i did i did get to take the ups guy home and uh that and i got to work with the doggies so it was a win-win but like you give the people what they want
1: And that show certainly did. And yeah, fingers crossed for the revival because you know I I speak for an army of people that will back me up and say that it is an instant, instant classic. And I'm so grateful that you fought. I'm so grateful. I will talk about Saturday Night Fever in a second because I just want to very quickly um, finish our conversation about Pretty Woman because the show is in the West End. Obviously not at the moment, but fingers crossed very, very soon. Doing, might I say, ridiculous numbers. I mean, literally you can't get a ticket. Like it's crazy. (sighs) And the fact that... The show just met an audience that was so desperate for a story like this and so desperate to see that obviously the iconic, iconic film and is a Jerry Mitchell production, which means it brings right. the glitz and the glamour Absolutely. as well. But there's also part of the story and musically, a lot of you, we can hear a lot of your vocals in there. And Rachel <laughs> that plays your part, does you proud, I promise you that. But
0: Oh good. <laughs>
1: but I guess being in that show, was it as as fun as as we think it is?
0: I will tell you something I I miss that show and that cast the most because I will tell you if nothing else if nothing else anyone ever tells you about that show that was involved in that show we had an unbelievably fun time on stage we had a great time with each other we were just uh, it was I, I can't say enough about it because because like I said, the morning period, I have not quite finished morning, not being with that cast. We had a lot of creative freedom. Jerry Mitchell gave all of the cast members a lot of space to create. So, I mean, I, I would go back to that in a heartbeat.
1: Do you ever find yourself just walking around the house or in the shops or whatever doing what I do, which is just singing? The harmony line to Rodeo Drive because that's all I do is just <laughs> sing that lyric. It's quite—I must confess—it's quite annoying. I'm just like, stop singing those two words. I'm going to scream.
0: <laughs> I do. I do find myself. Um, I, I often find myself singing. Never give up on a dream. Yeah. Those are such great melodies, and yeah, I we we often Andy and I because we do them a lot. Melod- for Cameo, we do Rodeo Drive a lot. For Cameo, um, I'm sure Brian Adams is thrilled to know that. Um, <laughs> but we tend Jim Balans thrilled to know that. But we do offer everything. Sometimes the answer is Rodeo Drive, baby, like for no reason. What do you want for dinner, Rodeo Drive, baby? It's like a serious earworm that we just can't shake. You know, um, the other night we sang, um, which I've never done, the love ballad. You know, um, so that was something that we've never done together Mm -hmm. so that was fun um yeah pretty woman has had a lasting stamp and it hasn't been that long since we all stopped doing it so i don't blame you you're going to be having those moments for a long time william
1: (laughs) i feel like i've got an addiction i'm trying to wean myself (laughs) when i took myself off coca-cola it takes a long time but the the moment will come but being in that show and that show unfortunately closing does give you two plus sides one is that you get to come see the london production which is yes. a big tick but it also yes. means that you get to come to the west end and see your friend samantha barks play queen elsa in frozen <gasps> have you seen the let it go performance i
0: I, I, have, I have of course i have of course i have seen the let it go i commented i make sure people <laughs> I know I saw I've the comment <laughs> it. yes um i just think it's glorious she is just the most glorious voice it was such a thrill to listen to her sing and i got to listen to her sing because i was hardly ever you know uh, on stage getting to experience the big group numbers other mm-hmm. than rodeo drive and she wasn't singing in that and then we got to sing that very brief moment in um you know luckiest girl so she just has this like perfect voice massive belt and in case no one ever tells you she's a genius with learning lyrics because brian adams and jerry and jim would would constantly hand her new lyrics for anywhere but here anywhere but here had like 25 different sets of lyrics and every day they would hand her an entire new song and by eight o'clock she would know those lyrics it was insane like we'd be like samantha how do you do this so she has an uncanny ability (laughs) to learn stuff instantly it's it's Shocking.
1: She's a real talent. I'm, I'm, I feel yeah. very excited about the fact we get her back. We lost her for a little bit, but to good company in the States and we get yeah. her back. Um, she's going to be amazing. So a good luck to oh, her. Oh, yeah. We mentioned Saturday no Night Fever. There are so many questions I have about that show and so many specific nuanced things. But the one overall question that I, I, I guess I'd love to know your thoughts on is how you think that show changed your life. Do you remember the specific thing about, you know, you think, oh, that's what I mm-hmm. took most from that show? Or is that too much of a broad question?
0: No, it's not. You know what? I, I, everything I've done is a favorite thing I've done for a very, very different reason. And it's okay. a really good question, William. But with regards to Saturday Night Fever, it was so many firsts for me and also a very specific childhood dream come true. Because as a child, I was very into music was my life. Music is my life. Music is my defining reason for my existence on this planet. And I remember as a young, young, like six, seven, eight years old, uh, my, my dear departed stepfather had an eight track of the Bee Gees Saturday Night Fever. And... And I've always said this. It was it was all the R&B music and the Bee Gees that I would sit and I would learn my harmonies and vocal arrangements and all of the things that they were doing made me the recording artist, made me the songwriter, made me the vocal ranger I am today. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you the amount of times as a young annoying child screaming in the in the apartment or in the car, how many times I sang every part, every harmony tonight's on Broadway yep. or. Tragedy or any of those songs. And the fact that all those years later, I was able to actually be hired to sing those songs in a Broadway show, meet the Bee Gees, take my picture with, you know, Barry Gibb. It it is. You know, it's something I'll never be able to get over in my own life. You know what I mean? Mm. It was really one of those convergences of dreams come true because I'm sitting there listening to to Paul Castri singing "Tragedy" because I was always in the wings watching that, and I thought to myself, "If only anyone knew, as a as a a young six seven year old kid, like singing these songs, uh, and that this is what I do now. I'm singing these songs for a living." if I can't have you becoming one of my signature songs, even though Mm. I was not obviously Yvonne Elliman, I didn't record the song as a kid, you know, but it has become one of my defining songs that people know me for. It's weird. It's very strange. Um, So it was a really full circle moment. Working with Arlene Phillips was glorious. It was my first big lead in a big, huge Broadway show. Robert Stigwood personally handed me the job. Like, these are icons. These are forever icons. Now, we can certainly get to the fact that I met my husband in the show, (laughs) and we're going on 20 years of marriage. So I, I don't have... I'm not going to pretend there haven't been negative experiences in in some of the shows that I've done and and some of the work in my my life, but there is not a moment of negativity I can take away from Saturday Night Fever. It was plus, 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 joy, joy, joy. joy. You know, uh, yeah, I lost my voice and I pointed a note. That (laughs) that became a thing (laughs) for me. The Vulcan mind trick the night I pointed the note. But I just... I can't say enough about it. I can't say enough about it. I still have some of my dearest friends were in that show with me. Um, and I'm married to the guy that came in and replaced, you know, Joey. <laughs> He's just like crazy. It's crazy.
1: I feel like testament to, to you and the fact that you you joke about like becoming associated with songs, but I feel like because you were authentic in putting your take on them, that's why we we fell in love with them because it was different, but it was what we loved as well. And, and is that, I don't want to say nerve wracking, but how do you approach taking on a song that you instantly know people are going to know when they come and see the show?
0: Well, I mean, thankfully they they had come with that arrangement. You know, okay. that arrangement existed in in England when yeah. they did it in England. But yes. they also allowed me a great, great, Deal. I've been very lucky in other. I didn't have to fight for this at all, and and you know, they allowed me to really, really put my vocal stamp on that song. So, uh, you know, it was there. It was inherently there. The arrangement was inherently there. I never had to say, "Oh, can you speed this up? Can you do this? Can you change the key?" I never said a word about it because it was so perfect in its entirety as it was brought to the states. But they also just let me do what I do and what my voice mm-hmm. does, and it was just a perfect perfect marriage um and i'm so grateful to that creative team that let that just be what it was you know I, i just i just sometimes you get lucky and i got really lucky with that show and with those songs and just knowing that i'd been singing them literally my entire life
1: it's like a full circle moment i don't want to say it was always meant to be but it sort of always was written in the stars that you would have some connection to them
0: I would like to think so because you know, just when you think, "Oh, all of this is nonsense, all this spiritual stuff is nonsense," you kind of can connect the dots with yeah. things like that. With Saturday Night Fever, you're like, "I've been waiting to sing these songs my entire life." I, I literally, if you listen to my CDs from you know whatever I've got out there, I, you know, uh, that's how I know how to vocal arrange. Like yep. you know burn baby burn those vocals those are that's how i know how to do a harmony upon a harmony and a low harmony and a high harmony and where the backing vocals come in and where the like alternate vocals and the riff vocals come in those were my teachers you know what i mean it's crazy
1: maybe it is actually written in the stars when i'm singing rodeo drive down this sort of the waitrose (laughs) aisles maybe it's written in the stars that that will be me one day maybe this is what the world is telling me
0: (laughs) Keep doing it. You will conjure it into reality. It may take 30 years, but it will happen.
1: (laughs) Well, Faith says it's going to happen, so it's going to happen. Patience, patience,
0: yes, (laughs) yes.
1: Oh, I do hope that I can come back in 10 years and tell you we were right. Do you remember that time during that weird year where we said this?
0: <laughs> you know, I've said to people, listen, you want to be successful. You want to be a superstar. You want to book the job. Just sit next to me in the room or be in a show with me. It <laughs> never fails. I cannot tell you how many people have like been like, can I, can I sleep over? Can I sleep on your couch? Can you lend me some money? And they become the biggest stars on the planet. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not going to name names, but I promise you there is not another soul on this earth who has had that experience more often than I have.
1: Gosh, you literally are a walking, talking, good luck charm. I need to be I friends am. with you more often. I this. Am. You I'm do. not going away. I'm not going away. Okay. <laughs> it, it's,
0: it's, it's, it, I'm telling you it's uncanny. It's uncanny <laughs> and it's almost fail safe. So
1: My gosh, I love it It just well, doesn't
0: work for me. I don't have one in mind. I don't have
1: one. As much as we joke, your career is unbelievably impressive. So I think you just Thank are you. it. So embody, embody every bit of it. Thank I do you. want to just talk about um, the other side of Broadway, which is how art imitates life and how life is very much about being political and being very socially aware and culturally aware. And I know that when things like uh, the Orlando uh, tragedy happened, you were recording as part of that and you spoke up about that. You spoke up very much about the election. And I know that that that's a big part of you using your voice and your advocacy. And I know you're very proud of doing that as well. I guess in your own words, why why do you feel it's necessary to do that? And I I guess um, what's your experience been like doing that so far?
0: Well, you know, look, I I think that first of all, with regards to Orlando and things of that nature, you always have like, Seth Rudetsky's very good about spearheading and cheerleading these things. And mm. he's always just very bright about who to get involved that's going to say yes. That's, it's going to mean something too, you know gotcha. what I mean? So I just have been very fortunate that I met him a long time ago. He, pl- he actually played in the pit at Saturday Night Fever. Yes. So, you know, he always manages to, to get uh, us involved in the best of the best with regards to, you know, Uh, the voting and things of that nature. I just feel like if you have spent a lifetime fighting for a right and that moment comes along where you get to actually express yourself and utilize your voice, then it would be such a shame not to do what you can do in Mm -hmm. order to make it right and make it work for you and get your voice heard, literally get your voice heard. So that's what, you know, I, I think that, look, I'm not, uh i'm not uh, um, i'm not julie roberts i'm not tom cruise i'm not somebody who is globally recognized but in my little niche moment of the entertainment universe where i know what you know age groups and what you know i have a very young impressionable fan base mm. so i in my own way and i god i hope i don't sound sanctimonious but i try to lead by example no, so absolutely. you know i try to you know lend my Name and my voice, literally and figuratively, to causes that are near and dear to me, um, and that make sense to me, and that I actually believe in. You know, back in the day when you were a kid, if if you were in the advertising world, you had to like really, you had to really use that product or believe in that product or be exclusive to that product in order to sell it. You know what I mean? If if you were selling Diet Coke, you better not be caught drinking a Pepsi. It was like that. And I I feel like that about the things that I get behind. If if I don't believe in it, then I'm not going to say yes. You know what I mean? I don't do things just to say, oh, look, I've done something. Look, I'm relevant. Look, don't forget me. It has to mean something to me, you know, so thank you for noticing. But, you know, some causes are very, very, very near and dear to my heart. And again, if even two people are listening and going, I'm going to go and vote because Orfe thinks it's a good idea. Mm. Great. I don't like to beat people over the head. I'm not forcing anyone's hand. I'm making a suggestion insofar as what I would do.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, you
0: know, walk the walk, talk the talk.
1: In terms know. of being a recording artist and a singer, as well as being on the stage and, you know, the the many different songs that you've been in the studio and you've recorded and you also then get the opportunity to go on stage in, in musical theater and get to perform as a character. Is it easy? Is it hard? Does it make no difference even perhaps when you get to be you on stage as opposed to, a character and I guess how do you how do you find the line or, or is there perhaps even no line
0: you know I, I have obviously a much broader scope of freedom when I'm doing my own music and our concerts because I'm not beholden to the vision of a book writer a songwriter mm. uh you know the director the choreographer the you know you you have to be re- very, very respectful of the team that is around you when you're in a musical, musical, especially it's a, it's a behemoth. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? You have a lot, a lot of cooks in that kitchen and sometimes the producers have a major say in it. Sometimes the songwriters have a major say in it. The director, that's, you know, the final word, you know. When I'm in my own recording universe or when I was in the music business uh, back in the day and when we do our concerts especially, then it's our world. It's Mm. our, you know, entire universe. It's what we say. It's how we want the structure to be. It's, It's completely autonomous, whereas it is not. You're only in charge of the performance you're giving on stage in the moment so you know, and that has been constructed and that has developed over time and you are in the confines of what the vision of everybody was and then you sprinkle your gifts as an artist and as a performer, they, they hired you for a reason. Mm. You know what I mean? So you have to put a bit of your stamp on it, but certainly the the breadth of freedom that comes with doing your own thing is very different and that's why I, I love so much doing the concerts because mm. it's it's mine and Andy's vision, you know? It's, yeah. it's all on us. It's all what we do
1: and it's exciting i think for us as an audience just to get to see the person behind the character so obviously you, you play it as much as you can for real but it's nice it's nice to hear the anecdotes it's nice to hear the the you oh, sure. lead into but also just to hear to hear you and i i think at any opportunity what we can get just a little bit closer to you as an artist oh, and you as an individual that feels very i never
0: exciting. i never think i never and i'm not being falsely humble but i never think anybody cares so it's always so interesting to me that that people actually do, or that people actually know. Like sometimes people say, you know, you once said, and I'm like, I did? Oh yeah, I did. How nice of you to remember.
1: (laughs) In terms of roles that you haven't played, people always say like, what would you want to do? So I've got a slightly different question. Are there any roles out there that exist at the moment that perhaps... Are for people that are twenty one that you know you won't be right for all their roles. That are people for eighty five that you think you know what I'm not right for that now, but God, I'd love to give it a crack. Is there anything out there that you think I wouldn't mind to go at that?
0: Oh well, I mean, I imagine that that sometime in the nine hundredth revival, maybe I'll get a crack at Dolly. You know, (laughs) maybe I'll get a crack at that role. Uh, I, I, I. I don't know how many more times they're going to bring Little Shop back and not let me play Audrey, but that's starting to get on my nerves. So I think that's a huge missed opportunity every single time they've done that to me. Um, so maybe the next time that'll happen. Um, I you know those are the ones that come to mind immediately. So I I, I don't know because you know it also isn't about them casting it improperly. It's like you said, it's like when I'm 70 years old, if I can still hoof around and sing my full range, it'd be cute to do Dolly. You know, it'd be cute to do Sunset Boulevard, you know, the Mm. classics, the classics, you know, that's that's what I would be interested in, something to put my stamp on something that's so unbelievably iconic and see if I can even make a go at it, you know that's when you test yourself. That's when you kind of raise the stakes for yourself and you don't rest on your laurels or your past. You go, oh, this is, cause that's a, that's a Herculean couple of roles I just mentioned. How, you know, it would be amazing to think I could do them when I'm old, you know, older. <laughs> <laughs> Have
1: you um, ever played Kathy in the uh, last five years?
0: No no i don't i i wonder i think i might have had a couple of auditions for it back in the day when it was coming around mm-hmm. um i did not get that role but I, like i don't wax nostalgic about that i don't go gosh that was one that got away
1: i'd like to see that i feel like it would suit your voice in a completely different way and would and really would be, I, yeah I, i'd like to see that
0: all right i'd like, well, I'd we'll like to
1: hear you sing goodbye until tomorrow i think as well <laughs> i'm like yes that's what I'm, or i know that they they it's the. Broadway production of six was supposed to open and that's six phenomenally fierce roles. I don't know if you've seen that show yet, but again, there's a song in that called hearts of stone, which is a huge ballad, which would suit your voice so perfectly.
0: I, you know, listen, I was interested in that. I don't think they were seeing anyone under the age of five. So I don't know. That seemed very interesting to me. So I remember I remember thinking about that and going, Oh, that sounds really cool. That yeah. sounds very in my like, you know, uh psychological aesthetic. So yeah, I'm I'm I hope it comes back. I do. I definitely I do. Definitely. Because
1: you know. I know you guys have that miscast as well. So you could even just be like, do you know what? I'm going to do it here if you like it or not. I'm taking it. <laughs> so just sit down and clap because I'm going.
0: There are
1: ways. There's where there's a will, there's a way is my favorite. You should saying. you should be
0: you should be a theater casting director. I would finally get all the roles I really wanted to get. So <laughs>
1: In terms of the other side of the industry, I'm always, we see and discuss so much, you know, the coming out of the stage door, the happiness on stage, the rehearsal process, but when it's the other side and perhaps you're between jobs or you're exhausted after a week of rehearsals or, you know, you're not feeling hundred percent, but you know that you're still going to be going on. How do you keep the faith? How do you keep going and battle the demons, you know, and, and fight until you get to that next job?
0: That's a good question. Um, sometimes it's definitely more challenging than other times. Uh, you have to keep moving you have to keep moving forward you know the 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 rub of it is the the ironic treachery of it is when you're in a show, you're much more popular and interesting and in demand with the other jobs than you are when it's over and nobody's you know got a place to send the executives to see you. Eight times a week you know okay. what i mean yeah. so and at that point in time you actually can't get out to do anything else you, you know what i'm saying like you're there for the run of your contract so it's very very interesting that like when it is the people and the eyes are on you you can't go do the other gig. i think that to keep creating to keep doing what you're doing to keep your chops honed to do concerts to you know, create in other avenues, make music, work with other people making music. Um, I think that's how I do it, and I try hard not to have too much downtime. But that's sometimes up to the fates of the gods. You know, mm. you can't you can't force a job on yourself. But you know, I, I do. Thankfully, I have a voiceover career, so I do a lot of that consistently. Um, it doesn't take the length of time that you know a Broadway show does. But you do that, you do commercials, I, you, know, you do workshops, you do episodic television, which is glorious and really fun for me. Um, I've done a lot of indie films during downtimes that you will never ever see, but I had a great time doing them.
1: I've sort of asked you lots of different questions, but this is my most important and very simplest question. It's 2022, and the West End comes calling, "Are you game? Yes or no?"
0: Oh my God, yeah, are you kidding? I mean, I think that Andy will tell you he the best time of his entire professional career was when he got to do Roundhog Day out of town in London. Yes. He will never get over that. It will be his thing that he references back and and you know matches up everything else to that is was it like Groundhog day in london you know <laughs> he i i in a heartbeat, you know i you know we had some Tentative concerts scheduled for this time, and obviously those went away for the time being. I mean, anytime London calls, we will be there.
1: That's that's a very dot 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 answer. I love those. It's my favorite. (laughs) That is my favorite. No, Um, I'm
0: telling you, Andy never has. He's never gotten over that. He's just he's just over the moon about that experience and. You know, life is long.
1: Orfe, this has been an absolute pleasure. I'm I, William. Like, As much as I joke, thank you so much. I'm such a fan of yours. And to get the opportunity to talk through just a small amount, because like I joke, oh. it's a huge career, but just to talk through some of these roles and and your perspective on everything is a real dream. So thank, thank you, you so much.
0: No, thank you for asking me interesting off the beaten path questions. And, and actually, I, I always feel like I'm babbling, but you asked questions that triggered really lengthy, good, fun answers that really took me back. So thank you
1: amazing thank you thank, thank you very you. much the pleasure has been all mine but um awesome. most importantly i look forward to seeing you very soon please please stay safe you and too i'll see you in the hopeful not so distant future
0: bye thank you
1: <laughs> you've been listening to 11 the official theatre podcast find out more about 11 at club London or via our official social channels